You're listening to The God Sense Show. I'm your host, Kalia the Queen. God Sense is about thinking, acting, and living on a higher frequency and moving beyond social norms and restrictions to live as our creator intended, free, peaceful, and purposeful. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. It's Kalia the Queen. Today, I have a special guest. Um, Odoche Ebay, and she's also the host of her podcast, the Five Fifths Podcast. Odoche is going to start us off a little differently. We're going to have a little um, exercise with her. I'm going to let you just take the floor and um, take us through this. Awesome. So we're just going to do three big deep breaths, just as like a grounding exercise. And because breathing is so important and so helpful to our brains, and we need all that good oxygen for this great conversation. So we're going to do one deep Big breath in, in through the nose, out through the mouth. Breathe in one big gulp of joy. Breathe out all negativity. And one more big breath of love. And release hate. Thank you. So um, I invited Ozerte on because she's she's a friend of mine, <laughs> and um, she always has these posts about astrology and um, the moon and moon greetings. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and you already know I'm on my spiritual journey. So um, May no June has been an interesting month of just new things being open to me and. Um, I started reading a book, I think it's called the, the Spiritual Almanac. I don't have it in front of me at this moment, but it started connecting these like things with astronomy and the moon. Like um, I know like I was born under cancer um, and July is like my month, but I don't really fully understand what that means. So Dota has a much better understanding. So um, she's gonna take us through her spiritual journey and we're gonna learn about you know, how she got there and she's gonna take us through some rituals she does to ground herself spiritually and things that we could do to ground ourselves spiritually as well. Doce, it's up to you. All right, um, so there's so many, so many pieces of, of that puzzle of connection there. Um, and spirituality, I think, is like a lifelong journey. So there's not, it's not linear and there's not one way to do it or one way to be. Um, so for, uh, for background around, for me, um, I um, baptized Catholic from birth. Um, my great-grandmothers, both of my great-grandmothers were Pentecostal ministers. On My maternal grandmothers uh, were Pentecostal ministers. And then in that bloodline, I have, ministers and medicine men and women um well my father's side my father's nigerian i we they um have been catholic for at least uh one generation and before that they practiced uh, traditional uh nigerian religion uh, specific to Igbos. now i don't know the specific name so uh, in Igbo, uh our ancestral religion is alusi but which is very similar to ifa Unfortunately, I have not been able to find as much information on Lucy as there is on Ifa because Yoruba people, I'm sorry, I pronounced that wrong. I know I'm Igbo, I'm not Yoruba, and I'm also, I have a, a lazy American tongue. So please 
do not flame me if I said it wrong, but they are just really great at keeping their culture um, and explaining their culture to their children and their language. So they have a lot more um, capacity, which is why Ifa and the Orishas, you see them uh, everywhere. So um, I know that my great, my grandfather and my great grandparents on my father's side did practice um, traditional uh, African religions or traditional Nigerian religions. I just don't know explicitly about that because, you know, colonialism. Um, <laughs> and unfortunately, that is not, uh, Nigeria has not gotten its own spiritual awakening and spiritual, um, I would say, having like comfortability with our ancestral religions because of the missionaries and how Christianity has vilified so much. So I don't have as much connection to that part, but um, I always was in parochial schools. So parochial schools are uh, religious private schools. So I spent my my formative years as a mini theologian, studying the Bible, um, asking lots of questions, and raising my teacher's blood pressure <laughs> because you know my mother was is a history teacher and a social worker um, and very uh, wanting to be very connected to all things like Africa that she did not have obviously the chance to grow up with because of being stolen from <laughs> our ancestors being stolen from the continent. So um, growing up, she always was uh, speaking to us about uh, ancestral religions like Ifa and other ancestral religions that are not uh, connected necessarily to Africa, but just having a very clear understanding that like there's one God and there's different iterations in all these different religions, uh, depending on where you're from, much like how we have empanadas in some places and meat pies in other places and buns in other ones. They're all the same thing. It's just a different iteration depending on what those people had at their disposal. Um, so even while growing up in a Christian specifically Catholic household and going to uh, parochial schools, which were Catholic, Lutheran, and non-denominational, I was able to understand religion and spirituality in a very different context than I believe most uh, people that I know have, uh, just because Christianity was never, it was not something that I feel like my mother wanted us to feel was the only thing that, to ever be there um, or that it was the best thing because we know how Christianity was used to and still used to subjugate, harass, murder. I mean, the Crusades was all about killing people in order to push the Catholic agenda. So my mother, even though being raised Pentecostal and then uh, converting to Catholicism as she got older, um, she was very well aware that the history of what we have been taught isn't actually the history that we need because you can't really make a good decision about anything if you're not told the truth. And unfortunately, even though in the book, in the good book, the Bible, it's always talking about the way, the truth, and the light, that middle portion of the truth has not been given out to us. Um, so for me, growing up, in specifically my elementary school, which I feel like it was a Lutheran school, but it was extremely progressive uh, for the time. Um, we had many different people in my school. Not, well, not many different 
there's probably like only about 10 or so black people in every class I was in, but the, the way that there were different uh, views on spirituality and religion, like I remember, so there was a Sikh boy in my school, in, our, in my class, and I remember like after 9-11, we never had, from my, what I experienced, I never remember anyone being negative to him. Now, obviously if you asked him, probably would have a very different perspective because it would have been him going through it but compared to my high school which was a born-again Christian you know non-denominational high school where every type of religion or religious practice even inside of Christianity was vilified and um people were ostracized like I was I was being bullied for being Catholic and I had never experienced that before. So I'm very grateful for Trinity because they taught me, one, the word of God, like, and not just, this is a book, so you have to, and like, to look at it and let it collect dust. It's like, we're reading it, we're interpreting it, we're understanding what the story is saying and where, um, and how it's like a, a roadmap for our life compared to my up, uh, upper room, the high school I went to, where it was very much just listen to this doctrine. And I think I only had, I can think of one Bible teacher I had, Mr. Van Bunthuizen, who was also our chemistry teacher, who really, really dug in to the Bible because he was coming to it through a very like scientific method way, which was great. Um, unfortunately, my experiences at Upper Room were very traumatizing in many different ways, but like specifically, um, in a religious way of not even wanting to, I remember after graduating, like I didn't even want to say like, thank God. So I was so like, just uh, disgusted with the hypocrisy um, of these so-called men and women of God who would be just horrible to people for no, just because they, they thought and felt something different. Um, my Bible teacher in 10th grade, who was also our vice, uh, vice principal, I remember getting this huge argument because he was telling our class of children, like you can imagine we're in 10th grade, so like we are blank slates listening to whatever you're saying and you're telling children that the reason why the indigenous people on this land were murdered at such a rate was because they weren't believing in the same God. <laughs> so my mother, who is a Afro-indigenous woman, of course, always explained to us how what happened when the Puritans and came to America, how they mistreated our ancestors and just murdered them in the name of manifest destiny in Christ. So it's like for you to then, you're lying and pushing propaganda of, oh, it was okay that this happened because they just didn't have the right God. And if they did, if they did believe in Jesus, they wouldn't have died which is one, it's just false, because there are plenty of Christians around the world who are facing trials and tribulations. Trials and tribulations have nothing to do with you being a good and bad person, you being a Christian, a Muslim, if you practice Ifa, or any of the many spiritual practices, it's just trials and tribulations are a part of life. And so to weaponize that in and to disregard people's lived history and their experiences, it to me was just so disgusting. On top of the sexism, the anti-blackness, the <laughs> homophobia, it was just, it was just very difficult for me. So when I got to college, 
Um, I was not at all connected to the religious community there, which I do regret because I went to Howard University. And I mean, like, if you think about going to a black church, the, the spiritual connection there is just like, to me, I feel like it's so palpable. And I feel, I regret that because of what was happening in my high school, that I never really wanted to go to the church because I didn't want to be let down. I like to me, it's taken me almost uh, almost 20 years to find a church that doesn't make my butt itch. Like I don't like going to churches where they are spouting all this BS about who God loves, who he doesn't love, who's being judged and who's not being judged. Cause at the end of the day, we have all sinned and fallen short of the Lord. So to, to pick apart those pieces and, and to try to teach people these things for me has been very difficult. But I will say that from my time at Howard, whenever I did go to the chapel, it was always a very uh, beautiful and uplifting experience. So I wish that I was able to heal or I had healed and acknowledged that trauma earlier on so that I could have gotten a, a wider spectrum of community while I was in school because I feel like it would have definitely been very helpful for me. Uh, but I'm grateful that now in the last, I would say since about 2014 or so, that my spiritual journey has been very healing and I've been able to open up back to um, my love of spirituality and religions as a whole and practicing as a whole. And if you didn't know, Brazil has the largest concentration of Africans outside of the continent due to the slave trade. <laughs> you, can, you can see the maps there where they went. And um, so in Bahia, which one of the, was, was the area where majority of the slaves uh, were traded and is a very large, uh, still have a, a very large uh, Nigerian culture there it's very it's to me it was very beautiful to see like all these young black people like walking around and wearing like traditional african clothes like and even it's just like natural which was amazing but uh, my friends and i we were the day that we got to bahia we met this man who it was a, a black um, american expatriate and a black brazilian who um, also practice Ifa or Candomblé, which uh, is called there and in Brazil. And so we we're talking to them and we were, they asked us like, oh, would you be interested in going to a, a Candomblé ceremony, which is basically like church uh, in Ifa. And so we were like, of course we wanted to go. And it was the most like amazing, eye-opening, spiritual experience that I've had like in my life. One, the fact that the culture has lasted for all these hundreds of years, and you have little Brazilian babies whose main language is Portuguese, but they're singing in Yoruba, which to me is like, it's so beautiful because my father's Nigerian and I don't speak Igbo. Like I can't sing Igbo songs. So to know that this culture has lasted for so long and the connection was so beautiful to me. And then it also was a magical experience because there was a, um, one of the head priestesses who was there was like 95 years old and she'd been traveling around the world and everyone had just been so excited for her to come back home and we just stumbled upon that 
that time. So it was just like so many synchronicities came into alignment and being at that ceremony and watching and experiencing it, it really just led me on a journey of really um, going deeper into spirituality, studying Ifa specifically and of my and the other African spiritual religions or practices. Um, and also uh, in connection to that, I got my birth chart done, which um, your natal birth chart is basically a snapshot in the sky of when you were born so if you need like your birth time your actual birth time not an estimate and your your birth date of course and your look the location of where you were born and so then it gives you a full chart of you know what your sun moon rising your mercury your neptune your uranus like all of those and that is basically like a it's a, a, pro, a psychological profile in a way. Like I consider it very similar to a Myers-Briggs test, except it's a Myers-Briggs test that was just destined for you. And as you read it and understand it, it's like, wow, these things are so connected. And as you see how things are connected in the stars and in the planets, you recognize how all of these religions and all these spiritual practices are connected because as you study them more and more, even though there are definitely... Um, differences in interpretation, they are basically all saying the same thing and giving you these roadmaps of like how to live your life, how to treat people. All these rituals and things that we have are important because we're, it's like being grateful for what we have. Saying prayer before you eat is like, it's not just like, oh, I just want to say prayer just to wipe the germs away or something. You're, you're practicing gratitude. Thank God that I have the money to purchase food, that there are animals that are alive to provide for me, that there's water from the sky that's growing the crops. Like you're being thankful. But I think that because of how religion, the business of religion has been used, it, sh it covers um, and shadows like spirituality, which to me is like the practice of the connection with God, mm -hmm. you know, because religion is just, it's the set of rituals and the facts and figures. It's like the scientific portion of it. Like, this is it. This is the business plan we have. This is the process we're going to follow. Cool. And then the spiritual practice is the emotional connection. It's like the fellowship. It's the, we are building these communities together. We are having a connection with God and with our ancestors. And I think because of the business, that portion gets lost. And that portion is why a lot of the business of religion is why a lot of people feel so disconnected, even if they are devout Catholics, devout Muslims and devout Jewish people, they can be so devout. But if you don't, if you're not able to have a connection because you're, it's so much rhetoric and so much judgment all around, it makes it difficult. Cause how can you have a connection with your parent if you are always being judged by them? Mm -hmm. If you can't have a communication with them without thinking, did I do something wrong? Oh, I did something wrong. Well, now I'm going to go to hell. You took us through, got your in religion because you were in school. And then you got later in school and college, like you kind of fell away from it. Then you went on this trip, you got back into your spirituality. So as of right now, what do you practice and how do you practice it? And how did you get to that deciding factor of, okay, I'm doing this particular thing? Okay, well, I practice, uh, I would say, technically I practice many things. Uh, I practice 
Christianity in its in those uh, practices. I go to church on Sunday. Well, I stream church at EBC on Sundays. Um, I also practice in. So I'm not a uh, Ifa devotee. Like I haven't been. Um, I hadn't had divination done, which is like finding your heteresha and all these. It's, it's, a, it's a whole practice, like being the same way, like in Catholicism, it's like you go get baptized, you're learning the catechism and, all, and the Bible. That it's like similar uh, with Ifa, because fun fact, the Europeans stole Catholicism from Ifa. It's basically Ifa in whiteface, because they just say. <laughs> They took it, there's no other way for you to like, you can't force people to do something unless you're like, oh no, look, it's the same. So they just took like, for instance, Shango. Shango and Arch, Archangel Michael It is the same like energies. They have the same day. It's like, it's very, the similarities are overwhelming. So they just took, they, un, they studied our religion and they took it and they just made it white. Now there's a lot more nuance in that. Don't yell at me. I I know, but that <laughs> is the basic premise of how they did it. The same way they took the Ten Commandments off the temples in Egypt. There were more than Ten Commandments. There was like a hundred of them. But uh, that was not the question you asked me. You asked me what I practice. Mm -hmm. So I do practice uh, Christianity. Um, I practice ancestor ven veneration or ancestor worship, which is mainstay, honestly in all religious practices um it's only in christianity where that is seen as like weird but every, even in christianity ancestor veneration and having like altar for your family is like there but we just it's we've been so disconnected from like the idea of spirits and and all that like people don't do it often mm -hmm. but uh, ancestor veneration is a part a part of ifa so like i have an altar for my ancestors I give them water once a week. I give them food every day or like at least a few times a week um, to like say thank you for protecting me because your ancestors are in you. I am my grandmother's daughter. Like I was inside her before I ever came out of my mother. So why would I not connect with her to like ask her to help me through this life and to protect me and be with me? Can you explain that a little bit more, the ancestor veneration? Because I've heard about connecting with your ancestors, but I don't, I don't understand it that much. Okay, so very basically, it's literally just like you are praying to your ancestors and you're acknowledging them. Mm -hmm. So I have a altar. It's just a table with my grandparents, like any grandparents or any blood relatives that I have that are deceased. I have them on that altar. I also, now this is not standard, and this is like personal preference for me. I have people on my altar who were not blood related to me, but I was raised as like, they were raised with me as family and very close with them. So I have them not in the same, like I have, I guess like a hierarchy on my altar of like, this is where my, my bloodline is. And then these other spaces are where my other angels and guides are because they are still with me and I still want to hold them in gratitude. So I have um, an altar. I have their photos. If you have photos of them, only having photos of them by themselves and uh, no one that is alive because that's just not good. So just having photos of them. Um, I put water, 
flowers. I have a prayer that I'll say to them uh, that I got out of Philip Nymark is a uh, author of The Way of Orisha. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book where uh, just explaining Orisha and going into it. And um, so I have a, a prayer that I took out from there and just adapted it to myself that I'll say to them. And it's just like spending time with them and being like, thank you, appreciate you, I love you, you know, we're here together. And it's just like honoring that, that connection. And honestly, when people ask about if they're doing any sort of spiritual practice outside of Christianity, that might be a little more woo-woo. Uh, I, I always say, like, go to your ancestors first. You don't need, like, Black Americans, I know that we have, we are having a mishmash of African ancestries. So that means maybe someone's Ifa, maybe someone practices practiced Gorafina, but you don't know, so it's like before you go there, go to your ancestors, and then also then go then go to the other one. But you don't have to go out far and like learn all these new concepts and all these new words and all these new things because your family is right there. What about um someone who maybe they don't have like these strong family ties and they're just trying to have an understanding of it? Um, what advice would you give them in terms of? connecting with the ancestors if you're just coming from ground zero? Well, I think that, you know, what I've realized is that we, one, everyone does not have connection with their family, like you said, whether you are adopted, perhaps you never knew your family, and you don't know a certain aspect of them. And it, within our Black community, across the Black diaspora, that is, we unfortunately don't have the ability to get, go and get those back generations, because again, (laughs) slavery. Um, So it's like, what I do is when I'm saying my prayer, I say my grandma's name, my grandpa's names. I, and and I'm like any ancestor in my bloodline and the names that I do not know, because we we have them there. We don't, we don't maybe have the names, but they are here with us. I know that this face is not just because of my parents, like it's coming from other people. The personality I have, the food I like, the jokes I make are all coming from the amalgamation of all those ancestors that came before me that I that we wouldn't even know their name if we, we tried because they've just been so far back. So it's just like you're calling on your ancestors by calling on yourself and calling on your bloodline because that's something that you will never be without and it will never like not be there. So even if you have, and even if your your ancestors were not people that you that you would have wanted to call on, because I think that is something that we have to rectify with. Like a lot of our families, especially the men in our families, have not been the best type of people, just because of the time. Like if you are a ex slave, like my great great grandfather was, his father was the slave master. And when he was free, I believe, or maybe his father died, he left him in the will, the bullwhip that he used to beat himself, him and the rest of the slaves. And so my great-great-grandfather used that bullwhip to discipline his wife, who was also the mother of his siblings, because my great 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 grandfather, the slave master, was raping her. So the he's raising his children and his siblings, and he used the bullwhip to 
discipline his wife, his children, and his siblings. Is that something that I that I feel is amazing and great? No. But do I understand that he was a slave, that he his father was a terrible man? But that terrible man is still inside me. That terrible man is still there. I can't erase that from my life. And I and honestly, I don't I can't erase it or don't want to erase it because if I if you don't acknowledge parts within you, whether they're in your bloodline and your personality, any parts of your shadow side, you're gonna keep redoing and remaking those same mistakes. Mm-hmm. And it is our turn, especially now that we have all this information to heal all those generational curses. I'm not bringing in to, if I decide to become a mother, I'm not going to have children who are going to be dealing with the repercussions of what my ancestors did, good or bad. So it's like, I'm gonna be talking to them from now. Hey, I love you. You were on some bad behavior, but like, what was the lesson that you learned? Because now you, you're up there, you have had to learn that lesson, you've had to, to deal with it. So like, where do we go from here? And how can I make myself the best that I can be so that we can actually be here on this earth to live our purpose? And because of slavery and colonization and all the bigotry that has come through that, we have not been able to live our true purpose, especially Black women. And I know that my grandmas and aunts and all the women in my bloodline are excited that I am here, I am free, I am living the life that I want to live, and I am able to connect with them in, the, in that way. Like, I just know that. So it's whatever you can do with whatever information you do have, that's all you need. You don't have, just because you don't have a huge, you know, Game of Thrones tapestry of your whole entire bloodline, that doesn't mean you can't just say thank you. Because there was somebody here that made you, even if you don't know them, even if your parent left you at a hospital, gave you away to someone, if they died, whatever, they are still a part of you. And even if they weren't maybe the best example, that doesn't mean that you have to feel ashamed or any sort of negative feelings about that. Because at the end of the day, that was their life. This is your life. And we are here and created to be better than our parents. Mm -hmm and to be better than those who came before us. And we can't be better if we don't hear that information. So the same way as we are growing up, our parents should be talking to us about things that, that they went through and, and explaining their lives and the mistakes that they made so that we can learn from them. We are doing that same thing with our ancestors. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we are, are building up that spiritual connection so much that we can listen the same way that you are meditating and praying to listen to God, meditate and pray and listen to your ancestors because they're going to show you in any way. The universe is going to figure out a way to get the message across. You know, what I love so much about just this spiritual journey is that I don't, I never saw in religion is like, it puts a lot of onus on yourself. It's not, oh, it's on God or it's on this. It was like, no, it's on you to figure out. It's on you to go back. It's on you to find these missing pieces. It's on you to do that shadow work. It's on you to kind of like figure out what went wrong in the past so that you can fix it and move forward in a better way and stop mm-hmm. making those same mistakes. I did an episode of back a while back called Generational, The Myth of Generational Curses. And I'm like, it's not a curse. It's just people on 
are unwilling to acknowledge issues and addressing them so they can move forward. If you keep on repeating, it's just like bad behavior continues. Yeah. And it's so important, especially for us as African people across the diaspora, like to come back to our core because mm -hmm. even just in name, like we don't identify, if we're not born on the continent, we don't identify as African. I love this. That's why I wanted you to come on just this idea of like, what can we do in the time that we have to make that change? And I love everything you're saying about like going back and doing this work, making these connections, even if we think we have no place to connect to, is just saying a prayer and sometimes doing a meditation and just centering yourself because things will come to you if you're open. If you're not open, nothing's going to come. Mm -hmm. You're telling us about identifying as like, you know, some Christian things and the spirituality. Can you go back to that? Okay, yes. Yeah. So Christian, I mean, I'm Catholic. I was baptized Catholic. I've never been uh, baptized anything else. So I, I run with that. I mean, I think that there are people who will argue that I am not Catholic just because like I don't go to a Catholic church, but it's just, honestly, it's just a label and it's a label that I identify with and I'm okay with. Like I, I could say that I, uh, that I practice Catholicism, uh, Baptist, I go to a Baptist church. Um, I practice, uh, witchcraft in the sense of I do candle work. I do intentions. I study astrology. I, uh, I mean, but all, but again, also witchcraft is in the Bible. So technically I'm really not doing anything different <laughs> outside of that. I study numerology and astrology and all the other things. So to me, I just say like, I just, still just say I'm Catholic. I'm Catholic with many varied interests. And unless I'm baptized into something else, there's nothing else to call it. Like I'm not, it's not monothe, it's not a polytheism because there's only one God. In my personal opinion and what I have studied, there is one God and all of these different iterations, it's just like the, the buffet. And I go to the buffet and I like to eat some. Sometimes I like to go to a synagogue. Well, I would go to a synagogue if I could find one that was going to be welcoming. Um, but I'm looking for one, so let me know if, I, if, you, if you know one in Brooklyn. Um, I like to go to mosques. My stepmom is from Guinea and she's uh, Islamic. And I mean, I've always, I've always been interested in religion. So I've always been interested in going to different spirit, spiritual houses of worship and worshiping there because it's, to me, it's beautiful. And we are, it's the same message in different tongues and different music. Like to me, that's just, I find joy in that because honestly, in my opinion, from my study of the Bible and what we know that Jesus came and it's, and it's like, we know he came cause he's in the Quran. He's in all these other texts that around that same biblical time. But we also know that there was a portion of his life when he was in exile and he left and he traveled around and there's many scholars say he traveled to Asia. And that's why when he was in Asia and he was learning Buddhist practices and other, um, uh, Asian um, spiritual practices that that is why in the New Testament it goes from being eye from a, for an eye to turn the other cheek because that was not that wasn't the, the way of of Judaism at the time it was like you do something to me I'm doing something to you so adding in this extra practice into his repertoire it was like oh, okay maybe we should be mindful. Let's add some mindfulness. Let's not judge. Let's treat each other this way, da, 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 and then that changed. And in my opinion, if he had not been murdered, 
the same way as if Malcolm X had been murdered. And many of the other Malcolm and Michael, why did I say Michael Martin? There <laughs> probably was a Michael in there too. There has to be one. There, thanks Shango for the, the approval. Um, if there, if he hadn't been murdered, met, like many activists who have been trying to bridge the gap around the world, he would have gone and traveled to Africa and been there and saying, hey, well, further down in Africa, maybe get to go to Nigeria and start practicing Ifa and learning from the Garfina and bring all those practices in. We don't know because he wasn't allowed to finish his purpose. Hence why when he was on the cross, he's saying, Eli, Eli, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was not supposed to die. That wasn't in the plan, that was not the purpose. So we have no idea about the snapshot of his life, what he was going to do. And in my opinion, what I, in my fanfic of the Bible, he would have been traveling around and, and bringing together all of these people, all of the religions, and learning from all the religions because we are all connected. We are all, the universe is connected through all of us. So why would someone who's supposed to be the Messiah only stay in one place and learn from one people and not add anything else into their uh, spiritual education. That just doesn't make sense. You cannot be a leader if you are only listening to this one frame of reference. Because how are you going to connect with all the people around you if you don't have an open mind and a wide variety of experience? So I, um, I have a, a question for you. Okay. When we first started talking and you told me about, you know, um, your connection with religion and being in, in parochial school and how your views grew and how they changed, given that Christianity and Catholicism, they all came from European versions of basically African religions why do you still hold some of those christian and catholic principles well like our ancestors were given were it was some of them it was forced some of them took it not, took it on themselves well majority of them was forced and then others took it on themselves but like the same way we learned how to make delicious gumbo is the same way we learned how to turn christianity into what we wanted the same way where if you go and your people are practicing Santeria or Candomblé or Voodoo, and it's a mishmash of the taking the Catholic principles or the whatever that European religion was that was in that space and mashing it up with them. That's how we got Baptists. Like we have always taken what was given to us or what was forced onto us and make it made it better. So because like my grandparents, I've I will not, I don't want to disconnect from what they found to be a spiritual connection. So like my great grandmas, like I said, were on my maternal side were Pentecostal ministers. Mm -hmm. my, um, my grandmother on my father's side was an extremely devout Catholic. She, I have a picture of her from like 1986 where they sent her to go see the Pope and it was the highlight of her life. So 
did she understand how Catholicism had raped her of her culture and raped her of her language and raped the society and all these things? No, but she understood that her spiritual connection, which black people have always been very spiritual, and she accepted that and she loved that and she loved that white Jesus and she loved the Pope. So it's like, to me, I honor my ancestors by honoring what they honored. And so even though I feel like, no, Catholicism is not perfect. Neither are, I literally, there's no religion, spiritual practice that is perfect. And there are spiritual practices that were ancestral to us that did bad things, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm taking what my ancestors took and made better, because there are plenty of places in Brooklyn, I can go right now, that there are like uh, botanicas, but like specifically for Ifa. And they practice Ifa while also incorporating Christianity because it's still, we are doing the same thing. And if it's from us, if it's from our original spiritual practice, then we're just incorporating those new things and we are working with it and becoming more powerful. Like it's not to me a pick or choose. It's like, this is what I was used to. This is what I grew up eating. So when I get older, even though I might not eat the same thing in the exact same way, but I'm gonna figure out how to make it in a way that I like it now. Like I really liked Franken beans. There are plenty of people who didn't like Franken beans, but I will tell you right now that I will buy some pork and beans and I will get some Franks and some white rice with some coconut milk and I will jazz it up and it'll be some fine dining. But was that technically a struggle meal for my single mother? Sure, but I thought it was delicious. Mm-hmm. She made it work. And I think that if we can like understanding the negatives inside of ourselves, inside of our families, inside of religion and the practices, it does n- it, we can learn that, but it doesn't take away from, is this information useful? Mm-hmm. Is there something that I can take away from it? And for me, like, it's just literally just tradition and practice or tradition and like, and the history of doing those same things. And honestly, I like going to Catholic church. I, I, I think it's, it's a comfort to me to do those things. I like going to communion. I, I like all those things about fellowship that come with it because that's just like what I know. So I don't, I'm also like, uh, people say I'm mixy. I, I like to incorporate all those things that I love together and I have no problem being mixy in religion. If someone doesn't like the fact that I'm, I'm a baptized Catholic, that I go to a Baptist church, that I also practice Ifa, that I might fast during Ramadan, that, that I might do all those things, well, that is, that's their personal problem. Because I, ex- I experience my relationship the way that I experience it, the same way if I, was in a, if I was married and I decided to have a polyamorous relationship, who gonna check you, boo? It's my relationship. <laughs> they don't have to do that. You don't have to do it. It's, that's, that's just what I choose to do. Can you get into the witchcrafts? Okay, cool. Uh, do you want me to just jump in? Uh, so, witchcraft, like, um, first, can you start a little basic, like, um, what, what it means? Because I think a lot of people, this is like, people are on their journey on this show, so it's not like everyone understands everything exactly. So, because um, if you come from a religious perspective, especially Christian 
Catholic perspective, it's um, negative and like that's evil and wrong and sinful. Yeah. So could you explain it in a more practical way in terms of harnessing your energy and um, those things? Sure. So I describe, I, um, yeah, describe witchcraft as literally just um, recognizing, acknowledging, and working with um, the connection with yourself, nature, and the universe, the cosmos, all of these beautiful things that we have here on Earth. And I mean, even though like witchcraft is in the Bible, it is not uh, the wise men were astrologers and astronomers and magi, magic men, like that magic has always been around. The only reason magic became evil is because, I'm gonna give you a little history lesson and I'm, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm not gonna leave anything out. Basically, during Roman times, this is probably not the first time, but like during Roman times, the Catholic Church was gaining steam and they wanted to be the only thing that people were going to for a religious, spiritual connection or anything like that. That was when all of a sudden astrology and witchcraft and pagan things were all of a sudden evil. But it was just power because religion is powerful. The, every, there's not been a time in, this, in the world that we've been around that people have not craved to know answers to the universe, to know who they are, where they come from, and to be like in awe of all the things in God's creation. So at first it was just like, okay, you have the sun God and you're the, and Jupiter and Mars and all these planets. And it's like, this is amazing. And then as it became into going from like astrology and then it's more of a spiritual practice and religion, then things changed and it was just a power vacuum. So if you, when you read the Bible, there are so many things within the Bible that are witchy. You can go into there and, and go into your Bible and search hyssop. Hyssop is a cleansing herb or I guess it's, it's like a plant. Or, yeah, to chop up, to burn it and uh, boil it uh, for cleansing your space. That's in the Bible, but it's also a very witchy thing. So there's all these overlaps, but because of the way that witchcraft can be used in, in freedom, if you don't understand that, you can go look up the Haitian rebellion and the voodoo that is rumored to be have used to help us throughout the rebellion and the, uh, what is his name? There was a man during the, during the slave insurrections that was doing magic to help <laughs> to help the, the riots and to help insurrections then. So magic has always been used to help those without power get free. Um, so to me, witchcraft is just you're tapping into yourself, you're tapping into source and the gifts that God gave you to not like change your life, but just like keep yourself aligned. Keep your, all your chakras just right up there connected and not just flailing about thinking like I have no control over my life. Mm -hmm. So the basic witchy things that you can do are um, like full moon intentions and new moon intentions. So this is my new moon intention notebook. Mm -hmm. And on the new moon, you could do it on the, on the exact day of the new moon or three days before or three days after. 
um, writing intentions with that new moon that basically are like the, the what that moon is going to be best for. So the last new moon we had was new moon cancer, and that was like uh, self love and and creating those affirmations. So and I like an affirmation that I wrote in my new moon book is that I am open to all the universe has for me that is in alignment with my highest and greatest good, or I easily receive emotional nourishment from those who give it to me. Like those are some examples of things that I would write. And there are different affirmations that you could write specific to each new moon. And then like also just go in and write things that you are looking to affirm and empower within yourself. And then on the full moon, that's when you're doing a release. So new moon is when you're bringing in, you're manifesting, and a full moon is when you're releasing it all out. And so with the full moon release, you'll write down things, again, in accordance with the full moon, but any other things that you want to release, and you write that on a piece of paper, and you burn it. Mm -hmm. And so as you're burning it, because it's like the idea of magic of fire, and you are burning this thing, it's like all of those, you're putting all the the magical properties together and you're releasing it and then what i do to add to that sometimes i'll do a uh, candle magic so like something simple candle magic mm -hmm. so candle magic is basically you get a t get a candle uh, candle colors have specific properties but a generic candle color would be like white because white takes in all the color and so i would get a white candle and say for instance i had a job interview and i would set intention that i am going to do well on this job interview that it's going to be in alignment with my highest and greatest good um that if it's not for me that i that i won't get it xyz set that in intention in, in the candle like i'll be holding it um and then say if it's the new moon or like I do sometimes I'll put my candles and my crystals out to charge, which is like basically it's getting the energy from the moon and the sun. So if it's a new moon or a full moon, like I'll put them out depending um, and charge them up. And then when I burn them, it's like they're getting all that good energy in there and being able to uh, go forth with that. And then um, what else? Doing spiritual baths are very important. Um, spiritual baths, one, to cleanse your energy of anything like negative going on around you, especially during times like this, when it's like, it's very stressful. There are a lot of traumatic things happening all the time, but even just like going to work, those things are stressful. You're dealing with other people, you're going outside and dealing with other people. So a, a very easy, like standard spiritual bath I do is a salt bath because salt, it's like, the same way salt cleanses wounds, it cleanses your body. So you are cleansing your energy, and I'll just um, basically make a tub of water. If you don't have a tub, you can put it in like a bowl of water and then just like pour it over yourself. And as I'm pouring the water and pouring the bath, I will be speaking to the bath. Like I'm setting intentions that I'm going to be cleansed. I'm going, I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm whole. And I'll just be speaking life into the water because water holds memory and it holds your words and words are spells. So you, you wanna speak life into the things that you're doing. So I'll be speaking life into the water and then I'll soak in it and um, 
then like as the, the like well actually first before I soak take a shower because you're not gonna soak in dirt <laughs> yes so wash yourself first and yeah. then wash the tub again and then do your bath and then as the water is um draining off you you just like you're releasing all you're in your head or out loud just i'm releasing any negative energy it's going into the drain and then again i'll like do a second wash and if you I mean, you i have like different um herbal washes that i've gotten from botanicas near me but sometimes i'll make my own like uh let's say i'll i'll make one with black pepper for banishing negativity and cinnamon to for prosperity um or bay leaf for money i put bay leaves in, bay leaf is burning bay leaves is good for uh prosperity but i put them in my bags because i want to soak in a month so i can secure the bag uh properly I like um <laughs> and you doing those different things and then you can find like I'll go on there are certain people that I trust and I follow online and I'll like go to their website if they have like baths that they do and um just using those or tweaking them for myself. Um and those are like three yeah, candles, spiritual bath, intentions. Um and you can and to me like I set intentions every day. I have a notebook. Well, not every day. I try to take them every day, but like I have a notebook that I would use for, um, oh, there it is. So this is my self-love affirmation journal. And like in the morning, I will, I wrote intentions in here. And so, um, I will say them like, um, I attract the divine partner that I want and need. I trust myself. I love myself. I desire myself. I understand myself. I'm aligned with a partner who is aligned with our highest and greatest good. And I settle for greatness only. Those are just a few. Love and I say, <laughs> I say those um, when I, like, I'll, I'll get the book and I'll read it. And then sometimes I'll add more throughout the day or it's just like, you're setting intentions and setting affirmations for yourself is a way of like, all right, I'm taking ownership of who I am. I'm taking ownership of what I'm doing. And being a witch is all about taking ownership and harnessing your power, being a wizard, being a warlock, whatever you're going to call it. There's, there's so many names, but literally, even if you don't call yourself a witch, you're literally just using your power. We are all powerful people. If we weren't powerful, then no one would care that we are free but you only put people in bondage in any way so that you can reduce their power. Mm -hmm. So by using the universe and what it has to offer, you're taking back your power and you're saying, no, like you're not going to tread on me. This is my life and I'm going to do it. And, it. and it's like protection. I set candles for protection for my family. I set candles for protection for my community, for the world. I mean, there's so many meditations I'm involved in where it's like, we're literally just going to meditate for 20 minutes on world peace. <laughs> it's like, we're going. So it's like what people think about witchcraft and what people are actually doing in witchcraft are so buried because it's just like propaganda. The same way you could see on the, on the on Fox News that protesters are looting things and, and attacking people, but you're at the protest and that's not what's happening. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have to be able to be discerning and to say what this is for me and not go off of what anyone's saying. Don't even go off of what I'm saying. 
You can go and research. Google is free for now. <laughs> it hasn't been monetized yet. Sure. We can still go on there and read many, many things. There are so many books. There, like I have, I have so many books on just around me to show you of what the all the spiritual practices. You can get them. You can read them, and you can interpret them with yourself. Go, go find people to fellowship with. Talk about, ask questions because there's like, I remember when I was little, we I used to always watch the History Channel, and then because like we couldn't watch TV during the week. So like generally if my mom was watching something that was like historical or whatever, she would let us watch it. And I remember watching the history channel and there was uh, one time a documentary or like a sh um, yeah, show on a very famous wizard or witch, I don't know, whatever you would go by, Aleister Crawley, who was like very infamous and famous in occult circles and occult people try to use that as like a scary word, but it literally just means religious. So technically, any type of religion or spiritual practice is a cult. But when I would watch the documentaries they had on him, it was very frightening to me. And I, if I had been only watching him, I would have been like, this witchcraft thing is crazy. But you have to understand that, one, some people are going to use witchcraft in a negative way. Politicians are still, to this day, using astrologers. They were using astrologers during the times of Julius Caesar, and they're using them now. And they may not tell you they're using them because they don't want you to use them yourself. They don't want you to go find an astrologer and say, okay, what is this going to be? What is it going to look like? Or to understand what things are happening, to be able to understand blind spots, understand your shadow side. Because people, the same way before the Reformation in the Catholic Church, when things were just all in Latin and Martin Luther's like, hey, nobody reads Latin. Nobody understands what this says. I'm confused and then translated it so that everyone could read it so that no one could just be in power. And what happened? He had to leave the church because they were angry. Like you're angry because you're giving people information. And that has literally been what has been happening. In any, in any iteration of any sort of subjugation, people don't want you to know your power. Mm -hmm. Because if you do, they, won't, they, they no longer have anything to use against you. Um, so I do implore people to not be afraid of witchcraft, to not be afraid of religion or spirituality, and to literally just study it. Like, I will never tell someone that they shouldn't be atheist. If you don't believe in, in God and you just believe in the universe, I personally think that is semantics, but I'm never going to tell someone not to not believe in whatever they don't believe. I only am going to tell them, go, don't judge me for believing the same way I don't judge you for not believing, but as long as we are all listening, learning, and making an attempt to understand each other, that's all we need. Because we are all human, regardless of what we like, what we look like, what we like to eat, what we like to wear. We are all just people here living life. And we all have the free will that God gave us to live this life in our own accord. And if someone has a problem with that, that is a personal problem. And like it's just their it's not nothing to do with you. There's no need to fight wars about it. There's no need to get angry about it. I'm just not going to I don't believe that, so I'm not going to adhere to whatever you're saying. Because I know my truth, I know what I've read, I know what I've studied. So you don't have to believe it as long as you are not attempting to cast me down and fight me for it. That's no problem. 
And that, sh to me, is like how it should be. Because regardless, we're all just here trying to live in this thing called life. I know you mentioned some books. And uh, I know you do some rituals. You showed us like some of your um, journaling rituals. Is mm -hmm. there anything else you want to show us? So I'm going to give you this time to either give us some book recommendations and, or take us through some rituals. Okay, so some rituals I have that I am working on doing daily is I have my, I have many of them that I can show you. I have my tarot cards. So this tarot, I will not, I'm not recommending anyone to buy this because these are culturally appropriated, uh, which I didn't know because I bought it from a black bookstore. But the uh, creators, Zolark and Durkhan, are white men. Wow. And they refer, and that's, that, like, Philip Nymark is a white man. And he practices Ifa, like many other white people practice Ifa and other spiritual practices that they told us not to practice. Um, but they personally, in my opinion, are not, like, they, I haven't finished reading the book inside of it because they refer to black people as the blacks. And, and it was in two, uh, the, the book was published in like 1994 and then it was republished in 2003. So I'm like, in those, in all those years, nobody said we don't refer to black people as the blacks. So it just, it doesn't, it doesn't sit well in my spirit, but the information is still sound. And I thank all of the white uh, practices of, uh, practitioners of IFA who have done the hard work. So now I can go and find the information myself and write something that's better and culturally appropriate. Um, right. <laughs> I have my, these are my uh, Mystic Monday uh, tarot cards. Mm -hmm. um, those, it's open because I try to take one every day um, just to like journal about it and think of like, how did this impact, what happened this day that, like, may have impacted me? I have my other tarot cards, which I have many of them. And then I have my literary oracle cards, which I really love. All those literary witches. And I have my uh, another tarot cards, which are really beautiful and more uh, contemporary. And then books. So... I have the Bible, of course, the Quran. I have a crystal wisdom book because crystals are also a very witchy, witchy, woo-woo thing that is just from the nature because you just get the crystals. You can get amethyst to keep you in a calm state. Get some rose quartz to promote love and get some obsidian to protect yourself from the BS going on outside. Um, I have, uh, I often read from this encyclopedia of the gods. The Complete Book of Astrology, also very good. Who's the, who's the um, author of that? Of uh, the Complete Book of Astrology? Mm-hmm. It is by Caitlin Johnstone. Thank you. I have uh, the Witch's Book of Self-Care, which my sister got me for my birthday. Thank you. This is a very interesting book, The Metuneter. If you, it's 
by Raoun Nefer Amen. And this is a very, very good book. The Great Oracle of the Houthi and the Egyptian System of Spiritual Cultiva Cultivation. So this is very good. My, my uncle gave me that. Um, so these are some of the ones that I, I read the most. Astrology for Real Relationships by Jessica Lanadu. And she has a podcast, a weekly podcast called Ghost of a Podcast, where she just talks about different astrology things and like gives you the energy of the week. Um, Enchantments is a great book. And Enchantments is in, located in the East Village, I think on by East 13th. And um, Maya Spalter is another black witch who um, wrote this book about her time working in Enchantments to tell you all of your, you know, witchy needs. Astrology for Success and Happiness, wrote by another black witch and astrologer, Mecca Woods. Uh, this is a new one that I just found on my walk, The Rising Sign by Jean Avery. And, oh, this one I just started uh, reading, Mother God by Sylvia Brown. I'm very interested in that one. And one that I think people, these are two that I think people should definitely get because I, I've been, oh, this one's also good. Uh, Seduction by the Stars. I just picked that one up. Mm -hmm. It's like intimate relationship astrology, but the wheels of life, a user's guide to the chakra system, mm -hmm. because when your chakras, like if your throat chakra is blocked and you're not talking, you're, you're blocking your, your chakras when you're not speaking the truth and what you want to say. And that's how you just have, you have all those issues. And this book is really, I really love it. It's called the science of mind by Ernest Holmes. And this book was written, I believe in like 1929, but it's about like the law of attraction and it, it ties together so many like witchy things. But Ernest Holmes was a Christian man that like he talks about it in the, in the book. Um, but I really like that because of the way that it just brings things together. And I also love um, one of my astro aunties, Anne Ortley. She has a podcast called Weekly Weather, and Benjamin Bernstein has This Week in Astrology, which I really like, and then uh, A Little Bit of Juju is a great podcast that I also listen to. Uh, then some people that I follow are The Trap Witch, The Hood Botanica, Bahati Life, Vegan And, his name is Demetrius Bagley, he's a Black astrologer, Kira Astrology, as uh, uh, Stefan, oh, I just, his, his head's, his name, I'm going to give you his name so you can put it in the notes. But there are many Black astrologers and Black spiritual practice, practitioners that are out there. Um, I, do a, on, I do a weekly IFA meditation on uh, Sundays at 10 a.m. with uh, Asur, Asa Are, uh, IFA Fune Funyalo. I'll send you her name as well, mm -hmm. which I really love because it's both the meditation and also she get you get stories from the Orisha about the Orisha, which are in the Udo, o, Odus, but it's hard to find the Odus in like a, a Bible form of book. So it's good to be able to find people who are like passing down that knowledge and giving it to people because we have not been able to find it. So I'm going to go to doing one of my rituals. So these are some mala beads that one of my besties got me from Bali. And they're just uh, prayer beads. So um, it's kind of like the rosary is how I think of it. 
So, like, I'll just hold the bees and I'll be, like, saying, like, a prayer and, like, um, just acknowledging while I'm saying it, the different beats. And um, so usually before I start um, any meditation or prayer, I will clear the space. So I use Palo Santo. Hey, guys, welcome to my YouTube channel. <laughs> so um, I'll use Palo Santo, and I will burn it and to let it clear the air. When you are burning anything to clear the space, please remember to open your windows or the negative energy is gonna be bouncing around like a little bunny. And you don't want that, you wanna clear it out. So like what I'll do is I will burn the Palo Santo and then like while my windows are closed and then I'll burn the sage. This is sage with rose on it. And, there, and uh, just a reminder that sage and Palo Santo are very spiritual, magical plants, but they are also being commodified and culturally appropriated and going extinct. So use something else to cleanse and sage your space, um, cleanse your space and yourself. Um, I recommend frankincense and myrrh. You can get that in um, incense form. I personally like it a lot in um, oil, because and it, people love it. They always tell me how good it smells on me. Um, and there's just many other ways of clearing. Palo Santo and Sage are just the most popular ones because they're the ones that everyone has like heard about that haven't been, that were available. But, you know, just be mindful that just because something's popular doesn't mean you should just use it. And Sephora, I feel like a few years ago, was making these like witch boxes. And they're like, you're making mass producing all this Sage. How many people are actually gonna use it? Um, and so I burn the sage and Palo Santo with my windows closed for like a few minutes. And then I open my windows to let, make sure that the, the smoke got everywhere. And then I open the windows to let it go. Oh, sorry, another book I wanted to say before I start is, um, this is Miriam Williamson's book, A Return to Love. And it's really good because it's, um, it's a companion to A Course in Miracles, which I would tell everyone to read because I think it's really good. And it's, even though it has um, like, some principles in it that might be connected to Christianity. It is not like a Christian book. I think that everyone could just connect with it. Um, cool. So then I, when I, after I cleanse the space, I will light some incense to put on my altar if, or in the, in the area because, you know, our ancestors, they enjoy a, and our guides, they like to have some sweet smelling stuff. And the same way, like when you go to church, you go to a Catholic church, you would know that they're um, before the service starts or after when they're coming through with that little thing of incense, that's like usually frankincense and myrrh, because it's clearing the space. So if you can imagine, there's so many witchy things that are being done on a regular basis that people are like, that don't even know that they're doing witchy things. Um, what, which, um, incense did you light just now? Uh, so I lit, this one is a protection one. This one is a goddess one. And this is seven African powers, which is basically like the main, uh, seven Orisha. But it's usually called seven African powers. Mm -hmm. And you can, uh, if you go to any, even if you don't have a botanica near you, you could go to like a 99 cent store 
um, or the grocery store in your ethnic food market, they'll generally have candles there. And sometimes they'll even have like, cause for the Catholic candles and you'll find the seven African powers there. Um, and they're usually depicted by white, uh, white angels, <laughs> but they, it, it is there. Be there. They won't be called seven African powers, but it's the seven African powers. Uh, and then like you can get, uh, so I would get Archangel Michael if I didn't, I couldn't find a red candle for Shango. I would sometimes would get that. Um, and do it that way. All right. And then, so this is a singing bowl. And um, so the singing bowl, it, if you see like around it, it has the Sanskrit. And then on the inside is um, more Sanskrit and it makes the sound of Om. So when you're meditating or you just want, if you're meditating or you're trying to like rewind yourself, you wanna like be able to ground and connect, this is really good. So I will show you. And um, so I do that because if you look up something called solfagial frequencies or binarial beats, mm -hmm. those are basically frequencies that are, can be used for anything. Like usually people will say, oh, I use binarial beats for study. Um, and solfagial frequencies you use for, like for meditation, but they are, the frequencies of sound do different things to our body. So if people hear stuff like, oh, you're listening to low vibrational music, it's because the frequency of the music is in the lower vibration. It doesn't mean it's necessarily bad, but it's like if you're only listening to low vibrational music, you can imagine how you're going to be stuck in a low vibrational place. And there were, there were artists like Prince who they, the frequencies they used were very high vibrational in all their music, but there have been, you know, a lot of, issues, I guess, in the music industry where people are like, why are we using such low vibrational frequencies in certain genres of music? Like, what is the point? Is it like, uh, what is it called? Um, subliminal messaging and things like that. So you can use music and sound to heal yourself um, the way that like you use it to, when you're studying and certain music helps calm you, this is basically the same, uh, the same idea. So I really love to just have, I usually have sulfagial frequencies on while I sleep um, and or like meditation music. Um, Mariam Hasna or Mariam Hasnea has a really great podcast on Spotify and it's called like reprogramming. Mariam Hasnea's reprogramming playlist. And I usually will play that while I'm sleeping um, because it's like a, a master alignment of like all the things. And I feel like it, it definitely helps me, uh, whether it's a placebo effect or not, I feel like it keeps me calm and 
like my dreams are better. My sleep is better. I'm less, um, cause I do sometimes have bad anxiety at night. Um, so that has definitely helped to uh, quiet my mind and keep me grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that is, oh, this is one last book. The Tibetan Book of the Dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a really great book and this is the pocket sized one. And I like, it's really great. Um, it's very interesting. It is a very, uh, it's a lot. I still, I, it's only so many pages, but I still have not, it's only 249 pages, but I still haven't gotten through it. And I've been reading it for so long just because I like, if you see inside, I'm like highlighting and doing all that just cause there's so much involved mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it's, it's okay to take your time with these things. And spiritual practice is going to take time. Like I have been, I was in parochial school from literally preschool all the way up until 12th grade. And I still have not have like, we still didn't get through every single book of the Bible in a way that was like as in depth as it could be, because you're still like, you're going through things. So it's like, for me, like you could still you're still reading your Bible. You're still reading the Torah, the Quran, the Book of the Dead, the old, the, the Book of Shadows, whatever you're reading. You're reading it forever. You're interpreting it forever because as you grow, the same way when I binge watch a TV show now, I have a very different perspective on Carrie and Big's relationship than I did when I first watched Sex in the City. But that's because of time and information. And it's like, if that is what you do with all forms of, of media or books you just you can you keep working with them and you keep studying them you keep um just interacting with them and you will always gain something new and the universe is always there to like help you find so many of these books that i've found have literally i've been walking and i found them i found this while i was walking i found this while i was walking i found these two while i was walking i think i even got this one while i was walking like it's like oh i really want to learn about these things and the universe is just putting them in my path and putting me in connection with people and places and things that are going to be aligned with that. So if you are aligning yourself, you're going to be aligned with who you need to be aligned with and what you need to be aligned with. And I think that the most important part of a spiritual journey to me is just releasing all forms of shame and judgment and not allowing anyone else to shame or judge you within what you're doing. Because unfortunately, because of white supremacy, shame is so embedded in our lives. And that's not just black people, brown people, yellow people, it's all of us. Because white supremacy is just shame. It's just shaming you into being complacent and compliant and assimilating. And even though we've had all these years of alleged like religious freedom in this country it's not really religious freedom it's still we only want this religion in the way that we want it in this specific iteration and anybody outside of this little bubble is wrong when in reality all religions are right and all of them could be wrong who we don't know because we're not god and we did not create the space all we are here to do is to learn to love and to live our very best lives in our purpose and that's it that's all we can do. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your story, for sharing your journey. 
um, for sharing the rituals and like these amazing books. Just thank you so much. You have given us gems. <laughs> thank you for having me. This was so amazing. Stay blessed and free your minds. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Kaylee the Queen, and this is a Godsend Show. Take care of yourselves. Connect with me on Instagram at Godsend Show. Comment, like, and share. Don't forget to subscribe, download your favorite episodes, and share.